Um, SEO can also bring um, not just like, you know, naming ideas, but like data and intelligence behind the naming ideas. So we go into keyword research tool and we can pull, you know, 200 different potential product or feature names, uh, solution use case names. Um, and then we can go through those and sort of look at like the match between the highest volume, least tapped opportunity and the fit for the product. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SASSSO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy and excited to be joined by Lindsay Zerman. Lindsay is a, an advisor at Techstars and Demand Maven. We've been uh, connected for a while now, but uh, I guess we just like uh, connected regarding the, the podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm very excited to be joined by uh, Lindsay today, um, and we will be discussing some very interesting things. Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, George. I'm so happy to be here. So I've been a long time listener, so I've been eager to uh, learn from everybody you've had on the show, and I'm grateful for the invite. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, w- when people say that, I, I always want to ask, like, what's your opinion about the podcast? If we need to change anything, if we need to, like, do, do things differently. But I guess we, we can discuss that after after the, the recording, right? Absolutely. Uh, for now, can we can we start with your background? Um, today, you are an advisor uh, at Techstars and also Demand Maven. But what has brought you to to where you are today? Uh, can you share a few things about your your journey? Sure. Um, well, over the years, I've uh, been leading SEO, conversion rate optimization, uh, web product management, sort of web ownership, um, go to market strategy, digital marketing, product marketing, and growth marketing. So. Uh, the way I got sort of started was uh, in advising uh, founders and co-founders pre-first marketing hire. Um, that was a really exciting uh, thing to get to do and has given me probably the most strength in my career, um, or my biggest strength in my career, which is to work scrappily. Um, when you're working in the startup mode, certainly, you know, resources aren't uh, always completely abundant. And so 
Um, I actually particularly love to work in the organic space as a result of that. Um, but I've, I've pictured it broadly since the beginning. I also got into SEO more than 10 years ago before there were these specializations around content, technical and link building. And so um, I've kept my skill set, uh, you know, comfortable and familiar in depth and current with the broad sphere of what SEO can mean and do. And I've even uh, found that there are some cool ways that SEO can, um, you know, help support uh, even on the product side and on the go to market side um, around like app store listings, marketplaces, other digital footprints. And I think of websites as the um, kind of the path from the wilds of the world to the brand and the first experience of the brand. And then from the first experience of the brand to revenue. And it really work to think holistically about that customer journey and um, go ahead and like ladder up to higher performance, higher KPI attainment. Um, so yeah, I think that's a little bit about my background. More recently, I was on the board of United Search, which is an organization that's committed to connecting um, underrepresented people in SEO with opportunities to speak on the stage. So uh, I was connecting them with mentors and uh, speaking opportunities as well. Um, you know, SEO is a really diverse, there's a really diverse community of SEOs out there. And so um, we just wanted to see there be a, a level playing field and opportunity for everyone. Um, and then and advising with Techstars is really cool. Uh, there's a new uh, program in Oakland uh, that I can speak to. Basically, uh, that's, you know, giving people this cohort coming into the inaugural year is 12 different companies across FinTech, PropTech, uh, CleanTech, EdTech, um, and more. And basically is coming together, uh, powered by JP Morgan Accelerator. And each of the companies will get mentorship um, in a personalized way. I'm particularly leading the GTM and growth marketing uh, kind of mentorship component of the program. Uh, there are other professionals that will be there too, different VCs and entrepreneurs to really help cultivate uh, the entrepreneurship or the, the startups that are present and get them access to resources and support um, in addition to funding. For people who don't know, uh, Techstars is an accelerator, right? Yeah, it is. It's essentially all the resources and network that you would need, hopefully, to really get off the ground and um, have a successful go at it from the start. I know, but I always think that things are very difficult in the in the early days of a, of a, of a SaaS company and any company for that matter, right? Because as you as you mentioned earlier, it's pretty scrappy. You know, at that stage, I mean, so many assumptions, so many things you don't know, and so many things that can change moving forward, right? But I would like to kind of touch um, something that you mentioned, which is product and let's say more broadly speaking, product marketing and the connection that product marketing can have with SEO. And I guess my question is, what is the connection between product marketing and SEO? And what can be done to help product marketing if, you know, uh, there is anything to be done to help product marketing through SEO? Sure. Yeah, I think to speak to that, I'll have to talk a little bit more about um, how I came to learn this, which is just to say, I worked in these small scales, uh, and then sort of scaled to global company uh, growth leadership. And the, the role that I uh, first took in an enterprise scale was at IBM leading the 
um, the digital and web um, components of growth for a business unit. So I own many websites and uh, help manage developers and, you know, queue up a roadmap and all of it, including starting the SEO and conversion rate optimization programs at the company and sort of leading the data privacy initiative as well. It was during the times of GDPR at the time. Um, so that was my first uh, opportunity to really work inside a skilled team. And, um, you know, it wasn't just the leadership team um, that I was working directly with to, you know, suggest ideas for improving product market fit or going to market and launching a new product. And I remember starting to really see the synergy at that time, um, being able to work directly with product marketers. Um, so much of what I used to do was now in the sphere of another team. And so I found it interesting. I, I learned a lot about how to collaborate across teams and um, how to be effective at shaping go-to-market strategy and even product strategy as an SEO. Um, from the product marketer side, from the product side, I think there are huge benefits to collaborating with people who work in an SEO role because they might not say it this way, but um, SEOs are expert market researchers. This is what we do all day long. And I think that the synergy of working like closely together can basically improve the performance of both teams' efforts. So I've seen it done. Um, I got to uh, work on quite a lot of these projects around like product launches over the years. Um, I think that once uh, you kind of I start to identify like particular areas where product marketing and SEO can work tightly together and improve both sides' performance, I would deem, you know, product naming and solutions page gap analysis. Those are huge. So, you know, in marketing teams, uh, we talk to each other all day long. And I think there's the risk, we run the risk in a marketing team of speaking to each other in language we created with the effort of, of or with the goal of demand generation. So we want to say, get people interested in, um, in a new offering. And so we might create a new name for it. Um, an example of that could be like augmented intelligence or um, any other kind of like language that you've crafted with your product team or with your marketing team internally. And the cool thing is that there's like data coming through market research tools like SEO tools, SEMrush, et cetera, about what people are already searching for. You can also even look at the app store space and start to like research like what people are looking for in the app space. Um, or in marketplaces, what are people looking to review sites to to go purchase? And when product marketing and SEO are tightly aligned, basically product marketers get to benefit by having like intel in advance of launching about what various ways of naming things or messaging their uh, new launch would actually do. So they can predict performance and SEOs can basically... Um, I hate to say it this way because it sounds a little bit, you know, it, it sounds like a cheat code or something, but basically product marketers can perform better in their roles and, and look really fabulous when they uh, think about check, checking in with the SEO first on their team. Um, so like, let me tell you a story about basically how I, I figured this out. At IBM, I got a doc. It was like a product launch documentation for a product launch plan. And we had some of this language that um, we used internally a lot. We were, we were calling stuff at that time augmented intelligence. And I think there was a document where the, the title or the name for the product was going to be something like augmented intelligence for sales solution. 
Um, and I just, I read that and I, I try to think, you know, empathetically with the, the market in that case was a salesperson, a sales manager. Um, I try to think like that prospect. And I was thinking, man, if I was a sales manager, would I know what that meant? And, um, and, and how much of my brain is it taking up? You know, in conversion rate optimization, one of the core uh, things that we always need to think about is how convenient and obvious are we making ourselves? Um, how wantable are we making ourselves when we present this content? So I found that uh, particularly thinking about calling something augmented intelligence for, you know, sales solution. It had several abstract concepts and things that I wasn't familiar with, and I was not sure that it made sense to me as a reader of the doc. And so I thought, okay, well, I know what we're getting, we're getting at here is like, we want to help salespeople through automating a part of their process and making them work smarter, not harder. Um, what if we try to use a, an analogy that they already know? At that time, smartphones were huge and you know universal already. And so I thought, you know, can we just use the word smart? Because that's essentially what we're doing. We're sort of like making your sales motion a little bit easier with your application stack. Um, so yeah, we ended up going to market with a different name. We went we went to market with uh, Smart Sales Assist as a name for that product offering. Um, and I think that that's kind of the, the thought process, right? Um, SEO can also bring um, not just like, you know, naming ideas, but like data and intelligence behind the naming ideas. So we go into keyword research tool and we can pull, you know, 200 different potential product or feature names, uh, solution use case names. Um, and then we can go through those and sort of look at like, the match between the highest volume, least tapped opportunity, and the fit for the product. So we can sort of find this um, almost kind of magical synergy sometimes where there's a term out there that has untapped demand. It's not really um, being competed over heavily. But if we name the product or the solution or the feature alongside that term, um, we could certainly have a really strong success foundation from the start because we can tap organic traffic that we don't have to pay for. So it makes the whole launch more efficient and broadens the reach of it um, if we go to market that way. If you know you already have a product or a solution in market, the other thing that you can do with an SEO is you can actually have the SEO like go out there and research like, did we cover all of the things that people would be typing into Google um, if they were searching for this offer? And often SEOs can just unearth like untapped demand that way and create new solutions pages alongside you. So I think for product marketers, there's a real um, career benefit and performance benefit to kind of tapping that asset of, of the SEO as market researcher. Um, and, uh, you know, I can give like one other example that uh, Guru offers. Uh, so I've worked with a lot of different tech companies in my career. I don't want to name a bunch of things, uh, but I think Guru uh, is one of the coolest apps that I've seen out there. Um, so essentially, it's a platform that takes a company wiki uh, with you as you work. Let's say you're working in Salesforce and in Intercom. Um, the Guru wiki actually opens up in a browser extension in like the side. And so you can like reference the documentation or the process or the brand guidelines um, in the same browser without having to change context or, or lose your uh, kind of focus. So I think that's a, that's a really cool application, but we had something that was basically like a free knowledge base software. 
Um, so you can call it a company wiki or a free internal knowledge base. And um, I, I found that when we named the product in alignment with untapped demand, that there was a real change in terms of driving like the most efficient growth available. So for example, we have a, a guru, there's like a page that I helped to optimize around free knowledge base uh, software. And that page is just a really wonderful bread and butter page um, that that connects direct to directly to bottom of the funnel conversion. Do you think the the reason why this happens is because it's or one of the reasons why this happens is also because it's easier for people to to understand, like make the connection and uh, or the association and say, okay, yeah, this is what this is all about. These are the like potential benefits it may it may have. And I'm thinking about cases like, for example, Drift, giving the the name and evangelizing the, like starting a movement, let's say, or a new category, conversational marketing, which is kind of easy to, to understand, like, okay, it's going to be around conversations and how I can do marketing through like some sort of conversation, right? Or um, Gong's revenue intelligence, I think they, they call it. So I guess my, my question is, do you think that one of the reasons why this works better is also because it makes it easier for people to kind of make the association and say, okay, it's easy for me to, to understand without having to think about what this, like, you know, this term may, may imply. It's easy and straightforward and I, I can like grasp it right away. Legibility, like understanding the concept right away helps with conversion, remembering, and discoverability. So if you're gonna go create a category, what I've found is typically most successful is heavy investment. Um, so in Drift's case, they heavily invested in content strategy and getting that messaging out there. They created such a huge content library. They have e-guides or e-books that you can download through an interaction with the conversational tool. Um, that was huge for them. Their content strategy is on point and I, I uh, deeply respect their leadership for uh, going there. And not every application, uh, not every company will have that level of resourcing available. Um, we also know that AI is affecting the market for content and content as a channel. Um, so if you were to go to market, you might need to think about, you know, allocating resources differently today than you would have at the start of Drift's time. Um, so there are factors in play that that play into that sort of strategic decision making. What I would say is, though, the category uh, creation route is just more resource intensive, and it's more or less likely to be successful depending on how self-explanatory your new category title is. So using conversational marketing, marketing just like you said, it makes sense. It 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 uh, it says what it is, and so it's memorable um, and it's recognizable uh, right away. Um, whereas, uh, let me think of an example that's less so, um, let's say you were going to market as, um, you know, I keep coming back to this term augmented intelligence. It was a trend back in uh, marketing a little while ago. Um, it didn't get picked up by people who were receiving that marketing. In fact, um, you know, I think that what we, what we still use and what is still more effective uh, for us in terms of connecting with people intuitively so that they know exactly what we're talking about is automation or AI. 
Um, and so we've got this uh, really exciting opportunity if we think about, um, we just think critically about like strategy at, at this earlier stage and um, decide based on how much resource we want to put towards things. I mean, and in this economy, I think that Scrappy is the name of the game for staying, you know, in a, in a strategic position. And uh, you might consider using uh, aligned naming to tap on tap demand organically to really capture more organic growth and discoverability rather than having to heavily pay to play. Um, paying through rich content generation, ads, you know, uh, paid channels generally um, might be a little bit of a heavy investment for companies at this time. I think that we could go on and on here. And I mean, I, next question I would ask would be, what do you think about like us using organic growth acceleration? But I will not ask it uh, at least uh, while, while we, you know, uh, are recording this episode. Speaking of Scrappy, um, I would like to discuss a bit doing marketing and like, or more broadly speaking, let's say go to market strategy for earlier stage companies. And I would like to, because you, you've worked with, with such companies, right? And based on your experience, how um, do you think a SaaS company should think and approach content and SEO in earlier stages? Yeah, so in earlier stages, I think, you know, if you have a marketer on the team, um, the most likely configuration that I've seen often is there's someone owning like the CMO or VP role in marketing. Um, and they're typically coming from a product marketing background. Um, often that's a strategic first hire. Um, more recently, sometimes we see like demand gen and head of growth type titles. But typically those people come with product marketing, product market fit, uh, messaging kind of skills. Um, you know, I think that they kind of come with a skill set, right? And um, at the company level, um, it's really important to do a lot of strategic investing and really go after low-hanging fruit. Um, if you are an SEO, like doing consulting with a company at that stage, um, auditing a website is like a really standard engagement. And so I would speak to both sides and say, in a website audit, you know, the best website audit is going to come from a foundation of working with whoever is functionally owning the product management leadership role in the company at that time, um, whether that's the, the actual CEO or founder, or that's like a VP or head of marketing. Um, the PMM can basically provide personas. Um, and if you start your audit, not with the goal of doing the standard SEO thing, which is, you know, we go and we look at technical and content gaps and uh, what content refreshes we would recommend. And we look at content opportunities to create new content, uh, but instead start with a framework of the person to whom you will present the work. Um, you can often present differently and encourage implementation much more so than if you took an SEO lens and um, presented say the 200 things that we should do from an SEO perspective. So um, the way that I've worked my process in that early stage is to start with gathering whatever insights we have about personas. If we don't have personas yet, then I would look at recorded sales calls or sit in on some sales calls to start to generate a persona or look at existing customer research. So PMMs are like a, a rich source. Uh, whoever leads the product marketing role is a, is a rich source of interview insights and prospect research and customer research. 
So taking that kind of person and picturing them is a really great starting point. Um, I typically will take uh, three different types of communities and audit from their point of views. So starting with the persona instead of starting with the SEO goals. And let's say uh, those groups tend to be the same depending on the model of the company. Um, they might vary, but uh, you usually have a prospect persona. You can roll up all of the different kinds of prospects into one if the company has gotten rich with their persona creation. Um, customer persona, so like an actual user. Um, and then finally, probably like an analyst press type audience because early stages, it's really so essential to get initial coverage um, and like discoverability among that, amongst that analyst community um, and to clearly market your product to them and show them the value. Um, so those three kinds of groups, I would take a look at a site from a journey analysis perspective rather than from an SEO perspective first. Um, what I mean by that is think about like, what are the landing pages for a particular persona? Um, where do they typically go next and next and next? Google Analytics has an amazing tool for this. It's basically a behavior flow chart. Um, and you can use these custom audiences in Google Analytics to sort of create like a segment. So let's say this, um, if you want to identify a prospect on the page, then you find one page on your site that only prospects would really go to, like um, the free trial page, let's say. And you look at those prospects and you say, okay, who we want to understand, uh, we want to understand two groups of prospects, people who actually completed the trial, people who didn't complete the trial. You create a couple of custom audiences there and then you'd have prospects identified and you can take that custom audience and bring basically look at any view, any report in Google Analytics specifically for that, that audience and for that funnel drop off. Um, so you can understand what are the pages that people typically look at before they don't complete trial form and before they do complete the trial form and start to understand that journey. Um, and then from there, I would go through each page on the journey and I would start an SEO audit from that perspective. How can we improve this journey? We often think about SEO performance uh, in an analytical way. Um, I like to think of it visually, like what what is missing from these pages? Where are the bottlenecks or the points of friction on these pages? What messaging is missing? Did we market accidentally to an HR leader when we should have been marketing to an IT and ops leader? Did we mention like enterprise grade security and reliability, um, that objection, you know, that that a lot of IT and ops folks might have? Um, did we miss that we were actually marketing to the finance guy or the finance woman um, and we needed an ROI calculator to show that there was uh, heavy ROI in this fiscal environment? Um, right now, you know, it's more than half of people uh, in companies making a B2B buy will actually have that buying process include approval from multiple C-suite and CEO stakeholders. Um, and more than half of people also are experiencing that like they want to do a self-serve trial instead of like talk to you in a demo. So you know, get, kind of like getting into the head of the audience and, and understanding where the, the bottlenecks and points of friction are and where the gaps were um, from a content perspective. Those things I, I've presented and uh, they've been really successful at landing and I'll present them alongside SEO findings that say, we also realize we have a solutions page gap um, and these 10 pages ought to be created. And then finally, um, these types of strategies for earlier stage companies really need to be heavily focused on revenue and um, customer lifetime value drivers. So 
it's not enough to really focus on like top of funnel, widening the funnel. Um, I would present uh, like a funnel graphic instead and say, okay, we've got, let's say I really want to get done 10 content opportunities because I know that they'll be strategic in uh, acquisition and in conversion. Um, I would present those in a funnel instead of just as a list of content opportunities. I would say these are top of funnel, mid funnel and bottom of funnel opportunities that we have. Here are the relative uh, sizes of those opportunities. And this is why I think those pages deserve to be created. Um, so really just shifting the way we communicate as SEOs into the language and the frameworks of uh, whoever is there in an early stage company really helps with retaining clients. It helps with being understood and getting buy-in and making sure your stuff has the resources to get done. I would also say that one of the things as SEOs we often do is deliver something that's like the 200 item checklist, right? Um, if you want to be retained and engaged within a client relationship, if you want to be most valuable to a client um, or to your manager, um, it can help not to show the 200 things. It can help to say, there are 200 things, but I've pulled these ones because they're the most critical next steps for us that will deliver highest ROI. And uh, to really be able to curate that instead of um, overwhelming your team is really helpful. Um, I would also say that that it's like really, 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 really useful to getting things done if you hand off not just like a big long presentation, but instead um, just show the relevant part of a presentation to the stakeholders that need to be involved to implement it. So say you have a dev team or a developer that you're pulling from product. Um, can you walk that person through, um, you know, tickets instead of a long presentation? Maybe if you've already written up a ticket in the format they already use, save them a little bit of time having to do that project management, uh, you're more likely to get it done. The ticket would just be like what we need to do and why and the use cases for testing. Um, a little user story about what, what the feature would look like um, or any technical requirements that you have. And if there is somebody who's kind of a gatekeeper um, working with the development resource, do you talk to their manager and walk through the presentation really briefly, five slides with them uh, and why you want to do what you're hoping to get done. Um, and then maybe at that point, like uh, suggesting uh, that we take a tour of the business valuation um, of each of these opportunities. So you can give a sense of what you would expect in terms of performance returns, um, you know, just, just so that you can make sure to get it done. Um, I certainly wouldn't, in, a, in an early stage company, I certainly wouldn't go do the like long checklist of 100 technical optimizations. It just, um, it's like the right move at the right time. And so having a strong technical foundation at the beginning is awesome if you can get 100 things done in the first website launch. But if the site's already out there, then I'm starting to sort of sift through and look for the highest priority things um, from a technical perspective and focusing only on those. Um, so I hope that starts to answer your question. I have many more things I can say. Um, I think that in the earlier stages, it's critical that you um, go after what will work. Um, and so in your company, you can actually mine data around your paid testing programs. So like in your paid search program, or if you have an app in the app store, you can mine data and see like, what are you already doing? What content is already what, what terms that you're targeting are already converting and generating revenue. Um, and in those funnels that are working really well, those terms would be things to look at, like 
do we want to create an organic page around this? Um, you also probably want to think about evergreen tactics. So, um, you know, how would I put this? I think there's a there's a real short-term, long-term trade-off. Um, so you can invest in like quality, rich experiences and creativity and UX right now because um, AI has just introduced this giant change in the market where suddenly the barrier to entry and creating written content is much lower. Now, I think that is going to create a future in which we have a deluge of written content that's all universally sharing the same information. And so to stand out from that, you have to think about, well, this, this environment is going to encourage the typical adjustment of scaling content creation. That is what most companies will have the resources and the mindset to do. But what they won't all do becomes critical because that's how you can stand out amongst other companies in search now. Think about authority, building, that's a lot harder than content creation now. Um, and so investing there heavily would be good um, and strategic and evergreen. Um, also thinking about like, how do we like make our creatives stand out? Do we provide personal perspectives? Do we provide um, creative examples? Do we use video? Video is huge. I mean, I actually um, was on the leadership team for a video SEO agency and um, really got to do a lot of client delivery of uh, like video scripts and content calendars and launch plans for YouTube. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. And so you get this sense of, um, well, once content is a sea of universally informational content, the information is no longer the competition. The competition is the innovation. How do we use video? How do we use UX? How do we use creative angles? How do we even like write a contrarian piece? So um, I've seen it. I've seen it done that you can take a term that no one even realized was a commercial term and build a commercial presence there. Um, Guru did this brilliantly. Uh, my former manager, Leah Friedman, uh, she did a, an amazing job of identifying an opportunity around knowledge management. Now, if you went and searched for knowledge management before she came onto the scene, um, basically that footprint was like a bunch of academic pages about knowledge management. Now it's a category term and a known acquisition term in the market for creating a company wiki or creating a company internet or creating a company internal knowledge base or internal comms portal. Um, she created that. She created that commercial footprint and it wasn't even something that people knew about. So I think that there's an opportunity to write things that don't yet exist and stay on the edge. I'd wanna be you know, listening in on Google Trends all the time. If you pick up on a new term that you haven't heard before, maybe assume it might be a Google trend that you ought to check out a few times. Um, getting in first is going to be huge for a trend, um, trending piece of, of potential content. So there's a lot, there's a lot to be said here, but I would just say, you know, the world is changing and the people that will uh, eat everyone's lunch are the people who change fastest and think about divergent strategies, not just what everyone will do, which is scale content creation. Now, you can also scale content creation because in the short term that will work. But in the long term, it's not the the evergreen strategy. So I would say, you know, an evergreen strategy around creating content is building authoritativeness, which could be that you create a really strong content library right now that's completely thorough, 
related to a particular topic. That kind of um, creating the universe of all of the topics and, and terms around a topic and creating amazing UX to be able to, you know, get people to navigate through that entire library, that that could be an evergreen piece for you because you've established topical authority and authoritativeness. Um, but certainly just going out and creating more blogs at a faster pace, I don't think will be um, what works in three years. Oh, uh, this this answer covers many of the questions I, I wanted to ask uh, during this this interview. That was very very deep. Like I, I really liked many of the points that you that you outlined and discussed. One question I have for you, and I I would like to kind of shift gears a bit and discuss monitoring and evaluating con performance. And I would like to to know in your experience what are the key metrics that help you evaluate con performance and how. In general, you approach uh, evaluation and um, ensuring that you know the content we produce, like gets us the result that we want. Which, of course, may not be the same for every content type, right, and content format. But I would like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think whatever gets the furthest along aligning with the company's goals is actually um, what SEOs can measure and sort of try to excel at. So if the company's North Star is customer lifetime value, you know, really working uh, internally with your analytics team and understanding like what are the best predictive indicators of customer lifetime value that we have, that might be demo creation, that might be uh, webinar conversions, it might be leads generated, it might be trial starts. Um, whatever is the sort of formula for predicting customer lifetime value or recurring revenue, um, that's what I'd be aiming for. Not uh, views of pages, but um, really uh, being able to, ideally using a multi-touch model, understand the journey and how much impact you're having across the journey. And if you haven't gotten to that maturity stage of having multi-touch attribution available in the company, then I think it's um, it's critical to, to show a story where SEO is improving customer lifetime value. Now, if you hit a wall where it's challenging to uh, measure that, um, one of the things you can do is diversify um, what you're doing in your SEO program. And I think this is strategic because of the changes introduced in the market as well. It's the kind of stuff that not everyone will do. Um, so you can think about, you know, marketplaces, review sites, and app store listing optimization. And SEOs have unique skills to be able to help in all of those areas. No one came to me and said, Lindsay, you know what, you could go do um, app store optimization or uh, category creation on G2, um, sorry, cate a category launch on G2 or a product hunt launch. I just decided that these were the needs of the company at the time. And even in an SEO titled role, kind of just presented the opportunity and got buy-in and, and got them done. And they were quite successful things to do from an SEO perspective because they helped me build authority or to build a revenue pipeline or to show you know my impact across the company. So. Um, let's start with one, you know, if you, if you are an SEO and you see that, uh, you're in a space where, you know, Gartner and G2 are like important ways that people discover software and tools like yours, um, you could go to G2 and take all of the, you know, crawl the categories pages, um, go ahead and do a pass and say like, here's what's relevant to our offering. Um, and then go ahead and, uh, you know, you can verify that by hand, just like you would with like looking at a search 
like a new content opportunity, you could look at the category and make sure that there are competitors like you. Um, a fast way to do this is just to take a competitor and find out what category pages they're already on. Okay. You want to try to find like your c competitor that's invested the most in that platform for sure. Um, but let's say on G2, you discover a new category um, that maybe is a great opportunity or four. Um, that's pretty straightforward. You can run those then through SEMrush and make sure they're all getting traffic. Um, I would, you know, prioritize by the actual discoverability of the page for the category um, and then walk over to the product marketing manager, the product marketing lead and say, well, I think we have an opportunity to go to market here. What do you think? Um, and if they, they can see it too, if you can present it clearly and they, they have the bandwidth to take this on, they can help you pilot a new category launch. Um, so I did this at Guru with our product marketing manager, Kate Hudson, who is brilliant. She is like such a powerhouse. Um, and we uh, then kind of tag teamed it. You know, she, she ended up like launching us in a new category and um, it became the bread and butter category for the company in 2022. It was actually so successful. Um, and Guru's been acknowledged on G2 as a result of all this work, like um, it's like a top 100 and a top 50 software in various categories. Um, even like the remote software category, remote work software, which is like so general, it's like Slack and Gmail and Google Drive and stuff. Um, and and by doing that launch, like we had a resilient position in 2022 for a market that was evolving. So we wouldn't have even had that had I not like stepped a little bit toward the lane on the other side. And, you know, to do this and not like leave your colleagues feeling like you're encroaching is, is like sort of critical, right? Because if you're an SEO and you come into a room whether you're a consultant or you're in-house and you say, this is what we should do and this is what's wrong. That's really hard. It's easy to alienate people instead of working across the aisle. So I went to Kate like one-on-one. -on -one. We got to know each other as people. We like each other. We get to work together. Yay, this is great. I shared with her draft ideas and opportunities over and over again. And we partnered and launched a whole bunch of stuff that was successful. Another one was looking at app store listings. So you know, we we had a um, an app that was not discoverable unless you knew the name of the brand. And you'd have to go search Guru to find Guru. And I thought, you know, we offer a thing. It's not a thing that people would search Guru for. Um, they would search knowledge base. They would search company wiki. They would search internal documentation platform, you know, internal documentation. And so... I um, just hunted around and like found a lot of target terms that we could potentially be ranking for that were non-brand um, and then provided that opportunity over to the product marketing team. And again, I wrote some sample copy of like how our listing could read and pointed out how the creative could evolve. The creative at the time was just the uh, the logo, the word guru. Well, what's that? Was it legible? Could we, could we show people what it was in an obvious way um, through some sort of new creative? And so essentially the same skill set that makes someone really great at SEO is exactly the skill set that would make someone really great at App Store optimization or ASO, even ASA, App Store ad creation. Um, so I just like to, to kind of think about this and think in the language of the person that I'm talking to um, so that you can talk across the aisle. 
Um, also PMMs, you know, product marketing managers, they are like interviewing customers all day or interviewing prospects all day. And they can help you out a lot as an SEO if you just have them ask for you on those interview calls. Like when they're when they're like learning about a prospect, what did you search for when you found us? Um, you know, getting things done, like you can get things done so, so well with a partnership across the aisle by just being approachable and caring about the person first and not calling them out in a group. Like don't don't go into a group call as a presenter and say, these are the problems with the website. That's so, so easy to alienate someone and end up, um, you know, having people sort of detract from wanting to keep you around. Um, and then finally, I would just say there's lingo that PMMs have, uh, product marketing managers have that um, SEOs don't often use, but if we learn it, we can present really well to that community and get things done much more often. Um, they think about strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, or SWOT. This is a framework, and you essentially have a grid, and you put strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats in different kind of quadrants of the grid, and then you could present your SEO strategy that way. You could say, here are our strengths. We have an amazing you know, PR team, and so we have tons of authority developed and all these links from all these press sites, and we're doing wonderfully there, but we have a weakness of missing content gaps for these solutions pages. And we have a threat of, you know, Atlassian is up and coming in this category and they're re releasing some new thing that will compete with us. So let's like take that as motivation actually to implement this plan quickly. Um, they think about GTM plans. So um, as, a as an advisor in um, Techstars and at Demand Maven, I basically work in a product marketing function um, helping to work with founders to establish their first go-to-market plans. So a GTM plan would have things like uh, positioning. You know, SEOs can influence positioning. We do the market research to understand positioning and what critical terms uh, have demand for our product inside of them. And we can say like, here's a great target term for the homepage. Can we consider this in our positioning statement? Does it still align with what the product marketing team would like to get done? Messaging, core value propositions, we often have a sense intuitively of what users were looking for from looking at search content and, and understanding search intent. Um, so we might be able to offer up things like, well, our page you know, didn't cover this part of what searchers were looking for. Can we add that to our core value propositions and, and work and in, in partner with product marketer that way? Uh, in a GTM plan, often there's like a content strategy. So there's, we're gonna create these new pages on the website. Can you as an SEO provide the ideas? to that and or, or add to that and really um, make sure that it includes SEO pages so that there's an efficient way to grow the footprint of the product and we don't have to pay to play to establish ourselves in the market. Um, positioning for a product marketer is gonna be like driven by what's called a job to be done or a JTBD. And that's basically like the most common thing that prospects are, are willing to hire your solution to do. So if you wanted to talk to a product marketer about affecting positioning, you could say, hey, I know like where, why we have it this way. And I think that maybe um, the way that people said it on the phone calls um, might've like on the interviews might've been different than what people type into search. And it turns out if we wanna be discoverable for both, like this might be a synergy where we could name it this way and put this target term in this way and um, find that we would, you know, cover more bases in terms of being discoverable and connecting with what people wanted us to do for them. Um, and then finally, like they talk all, all the time about like a product launch plan or a feature launch plan or 
persona creation. So can you, you know, get in the mindset of like aligning with their work there and contributing? Um, if you can speak across the aisle that way, I think you can find that there's a whole lot more that you can roll out as a combo marketing team. And that this particular duo of product marketing and SEO is like such a powerful unlock and unleash for product led growth in particular. So that's where I'm coming from is kind of like having worked on both sides and worked across the aisle. It's, it's amazing to see how much is possible when SEOs like stay in their stay respectful, but don't stay in a lane in early stages. Having a lane carved out is potentially dangerous. I, I, I don't want to say something controversial, but essentially if you hire an SEO in an early stage company and you don't give them like purview into like helping out with the app store listing or other areas, there's a risk for your company that you're spending on SEO when the lowest hanging fruit and the highest ROI opportunities would actually be broader than that. So after having led growth, and really led like product marketing and growth marketing, it's clear to me that those trade-offs are there and that an SEO can step up to the plate and be essential and provide a lot of value to a company. If they can say gracefully, we have these opportunities over here where my SEO skill set can help. Um, why don't we talk about the opportunities that we have for marketplace launches, category launches, marketplace optimization, app store listing optimization. Those two can be really huge bread and butter for the company too. I would just say I'm a big fan of wearing many hats and, um, you know, kind of entrepreneurial enough that I, I didn't stick in a lane. And it's really, it's really clear that there's a lot of untapped money on the table uh, through sort of going a little bit outside of what we conventionally think of as SEO. That makes sense. As we, as we are running out of time, I have one last question for you, which is kind of your thoughts on the future of like, I don't know, go to market or content SEO for, for SaaS and tech companies. What do you think the, the future holds for these companies? Yeah, that's a really good question and particularly timely. Um, you know, I've mentioned some of the things, but I think we can look to the next year to really be about, if you look at a market for all content strategy, We'll see a lot of content strategy acceleration, content creation acceleration. Um, we'll see a lot of content refresh acceleration. So we'll see a lot more competition over the informational components of content. What that means is in three, four, five years, um, that will be so saturated that we can't compete over that anymore. That's just not going to be able to be a viable uh, single tactic strategy anymore. So we have to start pushing ourselves a little bit. You know, I think the first time I um, wrote a video script and a storyboard, or the first time I produced uh, photography and video, I was nervous, like it was uncomfortable uh, because I was like, oh no, I'm doing this new thing. And who, who, who am I to say that I can do it? I had a little bit of like imposter syndrome come up um, and yet I did it and the results looked really professional. I even, gosh, I was running this one uh, shoot and one of our actors didn't show up. So I had to be in the, in the shoot. <laughs> oh, this is so uncomfortable. And, uh, and yet it turned out okay. It actually looked like really professional marketing. So if you don't have a video producer, if you don't have a voiceover actor or a budget for one, um, like how do you get into other media 
and provide multimedia digital experiences that are creative and innovative that actually add value that just isn't out there. It doesn't have to be hard. You know, one way you could make a YouTube video would be like an informational explainer video. And, you know, you just work with the brand team or whoever your designer is and say, you know, I need these slides or um, this like quick animation. Slides would be faster, right? Can you get them to make you seven slides? And then you do a voiceover for it. It doesn't have to be a nightmare. And you might find that you record yourself and you actually sound way more professional than you felt. You might feel nerves, but it, it actually can be done scrappily to make podcasts, audio, video. What if you took your, uh, your content that currently is acquisition content, that's just content strategy, like writing and a, maybe a couple branded assets, and thought differently about that? Like, could you provide a, an audible version of it? Like, could you provide a podcast and a downloadable ebook version of it so that I can save it in any format? What about if you had a blog and instead of just being a blog, it was like Pinterest and you could heart to save content that you wanted to come back to. And you provided a digital experience of a library to your users or to your prospects where they could save things and be logged in and access their whole library. What if, if you had to do that what content would you write that would be different than what you write today? Like it would have to be higher value. So you might have to give away more. You might have to start talking to your product team or your customer success team and really getting personal perspective on like expert level guidance that is beyond what's published on the internet today. Um, some people have talked about taking your informational content and putting a gate in front of it. That's going to be hard because you have to pay to play to, to have that discovered or create some sort of viral growth plan to to get it out there um, in order to do that. What about the alternative, which is you still have the free content out there, but you allow people to consume it in any media that they prefer, and they can also give you an email and download it or access it in your rich library. That feels to them like Kindle, that feels to them like they really have a valuable set of guides that they're going to learn from. They're training themselves for their future career, and you're benefiting because you're generating an obvious brand aware, product aware user, who sees you as the expert in what you do. Instead of a print book, uh, which you know used to be a really big trend um, for marketers to, to sort of create a book about their SaaS tool um, or a, a kind of thought leadership book. Um, what if that was a part of your Kindle library or your Kindle-esque library that can access? Um, you know, we think about emotional resonance, personal perspective, uniqueness, those are all going to be must haves. Let's say you had, um, you know, you have a robot that can dance, right? And that's like showing, showing off what your SaaS tool can do. Can you make a digital experience that has that? Could you make a cool video game that is so awesome and retro, but like displays your time series data? application or your conversational application like i can chat with with mario-esque characters in a 1990s style game could you make it so cool that your digital experience is one that i would want to share and could you think about like leveraging shareability as a way to build authority right like we we i feel like seos um we have evangelized our channel for a long time and it's amazing what's happening with that. You know, TikTok and YouTube and Instagram are like search engines to younger folks. So if you look at the way people search for information or younger, 
um, that might not go to Google, um, making sure to have campaigns like that, that are cool enough that you can leverage them for SEO authority building, SEO link building, and also they would be cool enough that someone would want to share it on TikTok or would want to share it on Instagram. I mean, you just, it's just really about thinking differently right now. And I think that there's a really cool opportunity for SEOs to really up-level our careers and our growth by like putting our toe in the water in other media that we might typically not go to or in other channels that we might typically not affect. And thinking about cross-channel resonance, like how do we how do we have a growth plan for promoting our content that's innovative? Because that actually might stick better. Um, yeah, in, in an era of change, the changers, the, the fast move changers grow the best. Yeah, many good points. I like that. I like this idea of like, and I guess that this is where things are are moving towards, especially with the commoditization of content and especially with the rise of AI content and generative AI in general. This was all very insightful, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Last question I have for you, call to action for our listeners. Where can people find out more and get in touch if, if they'd like to? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn, I'm... Um linkedin.com slash in slash l-k-g-e-r-m-a-i-n lindsay germain okay we will drop it in the show notes lindsay thank you very much for finding the time to do this really appreciate it hey thanks george for the opportunity i really enjoyed talking with you and look forward to connecting later thank you for staying with us until the end before you go i'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode ahs Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahers.com slash awt and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.